This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. When you're lonely, it's Christ who stands with you and strengthens you. And then look at this. So that through me, why did Jesus come and stand beside him and strengthen him? So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. This is how Paul overcomes loneliness. He's alone. He says, I don't have any friends. He finds people that need Jesus. He preaches the gospel, makes them brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's got 50, 60 people. And he's like, hey, let's have Peter bread. Let's, uh, let's break communion even better, right? And some guys will desert you and go away. Some guys will stab you in the back. Some guys will go their own way and let them go. Let them go. The only way you can overcome loneliness is when you're invested in the gospel. And the only way you can be invested in the gospel is if you're trusting Jesus, knowing that he's built you for a purpose. And your purpose, man, is not just to be a disciple of Jesus, but to be a disciple maker. Paul's life was marked with suffering and loneliness. But loneliness is not overcome by surrounding yourself with a spouse or children. Talk to the married people, they will tell you. Talk to people who have children, they will tell you. I will tell you. Loneliness is not just having people around you. Loneliness is following what God has created you for. And every single person over here, God has made us, saved us, so that you can be a disciple maker. Look at how Paul does it. Verse 21 in Philippians 4. This is interesting. This is almost like stand-up comedy over here. Paul says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. By the way, side note, whenever the Bible talks about saints, it's not in singular, it's always plural. It's every saint or it's saints. Because saints aren't supposed to be singular. You're saved to save other people, to take the message of Jesus to others. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Who are the brothers with you, Paul? Let me know. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Crazy. This chain between soldiers, and what's he doing? Giving them a rundown of Romans 8. Right? He's giving them a rundown of the gospel. He's telling them how to be saved. He's saying, we're saved by grace through faith. Hey man, your citizenship doesn't really mean much unless you're a citizen of heaven. How much do you have stored up over there? One day you're going to die and you're going to meet God. What's, if he asks you, why should I let you into heaven? What are you going to say? Because you read some mythology stuff. Like, dude, you need to put your, life, your faith in Jesus Christ and people are being saved. So much that he's writing, he's like, hey, and all the saints in Caesar's household greet you. He went right into Caesar's household and made saints. He wasn't lonely in prison. He was surrounded with brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're struggling in loneliness, I want to ask you this. Are you willing to put aside all your agendas? And I mean this very, very, very seriously. Are you willing to put aside your agendas of building your business, building the worship team, building a leadership team, building your ministry? Put it all aside and say, I just want to invest the next 10 years of my life in making disciples of Jesus. Not to build a ministry, not to build a church, not to raise funds, not to, you know have a name for myself, Reverend Sicker. Hang that, I don't care about that. I want to overcome th th this lie I've been living in, in living in isolation, but I'm going to invest in other people, not just invest in like, hey man, let's go work out, hey, let's be on a diet, but hey, how can I tell you about what Jesus, what God created you for? You're struggling right now. And here's it. Families, couples, marriages. How are you going to overcome loneliness in your marriage? I've heard this multiple times. The wife wants to walk with the Lord, and men, I'm not bashing on you. Forgive me if it sounds like that way. Typically, the wife wants to walk with God. In fact, many of you watching at home right now, you want to be in church, but you're not here because your husband doesn't want to come to church. And I've seen this multiple times. The wife wants to walk with the Lord. The husband has no interest to do anything with Jesus. Sure, he's a namesake Christian. 
He reads his Bible, doesn't want to walk with God, doesn't want to walk in conviction. What do you do? How can you fight this loneliness in your marriage? How can you fight this, this feeling alone in a prison like we read from this, this, this listener from a radio station? Husbands, if you feel that way with your wives, this is for you too. This has helped me in my marriage. In fact, practice it just this morning as I was driving over here. Share with your spouse the intimate things that God is teaching you. The very precious things that God's teaching you. Share to your spouse with tears what God is laying so deeply and richly in your heart. You know, I've seen one thing in common in every healthy Christian marriage. Husbands and wife communicate earnestly. Not what they feel, but what God is teaching them. Earnestly communicate. This is what God is laying. This is what God's convicting me of. This is what God is really tearing me down with. And I need to repent in this. I need to grow in this area. And you know what? Quite often, it's possible that your spouse will take advantage of that and might use it when you get into a fight. Or you said that, yeah, see, exactly. That's what you said. God was convicting you of anger and now you're getting angry and you're breaking stuff at home. Be humble. Be humble and be like, you know what? You're right. You're right. If, if that's not helping in this fight, come talk to someone in the church. But when you go through lonely times, center your relationships in the gospel. And that conversation is not happening just so that you can have a healthy marriage. The conversation is happening so that you can grow in the gospel. So that your home will not just be a home for you and your kids. Your home will be a home for others that need Jesus. You with me? Okay, the church got awfully quiet with that one. The next time you feel lonely, the next time you feel like you're in a prison of isolation, I need you to ask yourself, man, who needs the gospel right now? How can I stop, you know, sitting in my self-pity, wallowing in my self-pity, and how can I take the message of Jesus outside? And don't preach to people. Don't preach to your spouse. Please don't preach to people. The best way to get the message across is either listen to someone's testimony or share your testimony. Learn to share your testimony. It's a beautiful thing. Um, if you're struggling with loneliness, I urge you to fast and pray. Because some things don't go without fasting and praying. Jesus said that. Some of these things are demons that need to be driven out. Fast and pray that God will give you the courage to claim the promises that I got what it takes to walk through this time alone if I have to. And then when the need comes, when I see people, I'm going to just start pouring out the gospel, pouring out the gospel. Uh, I'll move to the third point very soon. But in my own life, when I feel lonely, if I ever come and tell you I'm struggling with loneliness, ask me this. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Because I know this for a fact. Every time I'm lonely, it's because I haven't taken the message of Jesus Christ outside. I haven't encouraged someone. When I was fasting two weeks ago and praying, this was something that Jesus really convicted me of. It says in the book of Matthew, don't run from those who want to borrow from you. Don't turn and run when you see someone that wants to borrow from you. And see, I was thinking about money, but I failed to think about those that need the gospel. Because silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I want to give. But oftentimes I'm like, oh my gosh, that person, man, like, yeah, I know that person's struggling right now. Just turn away, run away. God's like, no, don't hide your face from those that want to borrow from you. Go to them. Ask them, man, how can I be praying for you today? Hey, listen, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a doctor. I'm a, you know, I, I work in different places. I'm a software engineer, but primarily I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, man. And I see that you're struggling. Can I pray for you? This is what God did in my life. And I believe that he can do it in your life. And this is not about getting people to church. I hope you know that. This is about getting people in the kingdom of God. Amen. Okay, let's bring this plane to landing now with the third point. Troubles will come, but it's the Lord who will get you out of this. Loneliness will come, but it's the Lord who will get you through it. And the third thing Paul says is you will have needs. You will have needs. 
but all your needs are met in Jesus Christ you will have needs again this is something that's extremely relevant in what we're walking through extremely relevant people are in between jobs people are taking jobs that don't pay as for what they've budgeted and there's a lot of shifting and shaking that has to happen you will have needs we do not know what 2021 holds for us but we do know that we have what it takes because of Jesus and he knows what you need and he's already gone ahead and prepared and paved the way for you when you have needs it's not a new job that provides for you just so you know when you have needs it's not rich friends that bail you out Paul had various needs and it seems like he's relying on his friends like Luke and Timothy and Mark and Paul and Barnabas but we see very clearly that Paul was relying completely on Jesus and he says this ridiculous statement in verse 19 in Philippians chapter 4 ridiculous in a good way and he says you track it right you with me awake good verse 19 thank you Adelaide I'm glad you're here you earned your keep <laughs> and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus get out of here man Paul you're the one in need you're the one in prison you're the one that we felt like we had to take an offering and said Ephroditus risking his life to get you stuff and you say God will take care of your needs he's saying Philippian church God will take care of your needs bro we took an offering and sent it to you and you say God will take care of your needs you should say God will take care of my needs right why are you saying God will take care of every need of yours you see what he's telling the Philippian church again it's a young church and he's trying to teach them when in need it's God who takes care of me and there was an early church letter that was found and uh, this guy writes and he says the, the early church whenever they want to support a missionary they would fast and pray they would fast for this missionary and pray and the money they saved fasting is what they would send Isn't that crazy no wonder Paul says it's a sweet sacrifice how beautiful is that huh how beautiful that they would fast and send and looks like they actually sent Paul a lot of stuff so they fasted and they sent and Paul says hey listen you had to eat into your budget to take care of me and I want you to know that God will take care of all your needs what you have given towards God's work it's not gonna go unseen by God God will take care of all your needs you know you know you're acting in fear when you stop investing in the kingdom of God you know you're living in fear when you stop investing in the kingdom of God and finally you're like he's talking about giving right I knew this day was coming see I personally have lived in this fear for many years I've justified not giving towards the kingdom of God because I feel like I'm giving my time my whole life is ministry and it really was fear and I was trying to take care of my own needs and not trusting Jesus to take care of my needs by the way what I'm going to share with you now is not prosperity gospel which is you sow and God will multiply neither is the poverty gospel where it's like if you're a Christian you always have to live poor and look like you're homeless and then starve and die for the glory of God brother instead I want you to look at Pauline theology of what he says about giving verse 17 he says not that I seek the gift that is your giving not that I seek your gift I'm not sharing this for you to give me the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit that's insane he says Paul says listen I have no need I have no need but it's almost like God has created a need so that you can be blessed how crazy is that 
God has created need for me so that you can have credit. Credit for what? For you to have more money. No credit so that when you stand before God in heaven, you have people that you've never met that say, thank you so much for supporting the Apostle Paul because I got to hear the gospel. Who are you? I don't even know you. Yeah, you don't know me, but, but you need to know you supported the Apostle Paul. And because of that, I, I, was, I was a guard in Caesar's household and I heard the gospel and I put my faith in Jesus. How crazy is that, huh? He says, listen, it's like God created a need for me, not that I'm in need, but he created a need so that you can have credit in heaven, in God's account. That is so crazy. He says, you're investing into the kingdom of God and your investment is going into lives being transformed to your credit. Wow. So next time that offering basket comes around, that verse needs to make perfect sense to you. God loves a cheerful giver. You're like, man, this is going to transforming lives. This is going to people hearing the good news of Jesus. This is going to someone who was stuck in sin like me and they're going to find freedom the way I found freedom in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Keep the, keep the church doors open and thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let me list. Jesus says this much better than I did. In Luke chapter 16, he shares a parable of a really bad story, but with a very good point. Jesus is the only one who's able to do stuff like this. It's crazy. I wonder why. Maybe it's because he's God, right? He talks about a rich man who had a very corrupt manager. And this, this corrupt manager was uh, swindling all the cash, man. He was a lazy guy. He was, you know, eating up all the money. And so it says in uh, Luke 16, um, the, the manager told the, the, the sorry, the, the rich man told the manager, Dude, you can no longer work for me. Turn in all the accounts. You're fired. Turn in all the accounts. You're done. Look at verse 3 in Luke chapter 16. The manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. He's like, Dude, I am going to die. There's nothing that I can do. I'm not strong enough to work, labor, and I'm too ashamed to go and beg. So this is what he does. He goes to all the guys that owe his master money. I'm paraphrasing over here. He says, hey, how much do you owe? $10,000? Quick, write $5,000. How much do you owe? $50,000? Quick, write $25,000. And he begins to reduce all of these guys' debts. The master finds out about this. And you'd imagine a really good kicking in the you-know-what. But instead, the master, it says in Luke chapter 16, verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager. Commended, applauds compliments, cheers him. What? The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 